redeeming love. I'm Pastor Steve. I'm the good-looking one. <laughs> the older one. Yes, I am. Hallelujah. It's my privilege to bring the word today. And uh, I was, I'm going to do a brief introduction, then we'll get to the text. But I was, there's a book that's challenged me, and that's uh, Spurgeon talked about Christ in the Old Testament. And I was thinking of doing maybe a, a just a, you know, bam, 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 you know, five, six, seven, eight different things from there. And I was thinking about the blood of Abel in Genesis calling from the ground for vengeance versus the blood of Jesus the Christ from the ground for mercy and the forgiveness of sins. You look through the blood and, you know, plead the blood over, over ourselves and even in the courts of heaven. I was thinking about doing Abraham, bringing Isaac up to the mountain, and, and you know, his son going to be offered, and there's a substitution. You know, where he offered him was the Moriah region, and one of the mountains in the Moriah region is Mount Calvary. So I wonder if the sacrifice was done in the same place. Hmm. But I, I was reading through, and I, I came to First uh, Samuel. We're going to be to chapters 4 and 5. And we're going to talk about Dagon and the ark being uh, captured. First um, Samuel 4.2, Israel was fighting the Philistines, and they were losing. Now, if you've read through the Old Testament hardly at all, you'll find out that any time Israel was fighting and losing, there was a problem. Uh, this is the age of judges, and they went from, I'm following a judge, we're doing great, we'll do our own thing, we're ter doing terrible. Hallelujah. So the elders called for the Ark of the Covenant, and they said, this will deliver us. You know, I said, isn't the priest that said, let's bring the Ark of the Covenant? They didn't go before God uh, like at, what, Chronicles 20. The king went before God and said, God. The leaders of the nation got together and they said, let's bring the Ark of the Covenant here. Hmm. Israel was excited. I mean, if you read through, I mean, the Ark of the Covenant came into the camp brought by uh, the two sons of Eli who were not following God. And Israel got all excited. Oh, man, this is going to be great. They start screaming and hollering and dancing and whooping up. I mean, it's like the Philistines could hear them. And they said, we better fight for our lives or we'll be the servants of Israel. They, got, they became more determined. Hallelujah. Ooh, this is deeper. Yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Hallelujah. We must fight for our lives or we'll be their servants. Hmm. 
guess what? Israel lost. They got whooped. It was so bad. Here you are, all these years, the Ark of the Covenant had been kept safe by unarmed priests who were armed only with the presence of God following his way, singers. As a matter of fact, if you know, the Ark of the Covenant led Israel into the promised land. It led them. And all the might of the army, of everybody that could be mustered from Israel, couldn't keep the Ark of the Covenant safe. Because the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, is not something that you can legislate. That you can, with mighty words, mighty deeds, do. The presence of God, the, pre the following God. I'm getting tongue-tied because <laughs> God is so good. Can you imagine being an army and, uh, you know, saying, let the singers go first? My guitar doesn't necessarily cause arrows to bounce off. My accordion, I don't think it stopped a spear or a bullet. But the whole army of Israel could not keep the Ark of the Covenant safe. It had been safe in the temple of God. The Ark was captured and Israel fled. 1 Samuel 5, 1 and 2. Now we're going to get into the message. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Let our hearts understand. Now the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. Then the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. Dagon was the god of the Philistines. He was a merman. He was half fish and half man. Your mermaids. Uh. So good looking god. I. Mm. They brought it into the house. Can you imagine? The revelry, the, the, the what was going on? when they brought it into the, you know, the Ark of the Covenant. It was probably just about the size of the drums in there, you know, this little thing. And can you imagine the statue of Dagon that was there? It wasn't one of these little ones. I mean, I, ma I imagine that thing was probably 20, 30 foot tall. Set up in a place you know, where everybody could see it. I imagine when they brought this in, I mean, they're hooping, you know, they're, whoo, whoo, you know. Man, we thought we were going to be the slaves of Israel. The God of Israel, you know, imagine standing in front of the, the uh, ark and saying, you know, huh, we defeated the God of Israel. Can you imagine him? I mean, the, the drunken, uh, who knows what goes on? All the, all the Phil, lords of the Philistines before the statue, throwing gold coins, drinking, I mean, they were dancing and whooping. <laughs> There's the ark. <laughs> the God of Israel. We beat the God of Israel. They whooped the Egyptians. They took the land. But we 
you know, self and pride. Can you imagine? I mean, my first thought when I read this the first time is the presence of God, you know, is it going to, in the presence of this darkness, but where's Christ in the Old Testament? Can you imagine the soul of a saint, a soul of a sinner, how dark it is? And to speak the word of God, which is light in the presence of God. Can you imagine the darkness of cancer? In the presence of God. Can you imagine a migraine headache in the darkness of that? In the presence of God brought in. And by the way, you know, I mean, man, here, there it is. You know, it's like, imagine that one of the, the, the God, uh, priests or whatever. Huh. <laughs> it's a little box, man. A couple feet long, a couple feet wide, made of wood. <laughs> but that Ark of Covenant is something else. It's light. <laughs> Presence of God. First Samuel 5, 3. The next morning, I mean, you know, they the last one that went out at night, you know, they closed the door and they went, whew. Man, that was great, wasn't it? Next morning they came in, 1 Samuel 5, 3. And when the Ashdites arose early the next morning. Behold, Dagon had fallen on its face to the ground before the ark of God. The sinner. Who in all the noise and all the problems and everything else through the day and all of a sudden in the quiet of the night Bowed his knee. What I would call an unholy place. What I would call, you know, that's not the place for the presence of God, but it is the very place where God places his presence in his word. And in the still of the night, not in the commotion of the day, but in the still of the night, that statue fell. You notice I didn't say Dagon fell? Because if you look over in uh, 1 Corinthians 8, I think it's 6, it says, there is no other God but our one God. Dagon was not a god. He was something that man made. That statue fell not because God was taking it out on Dagon, but because he wanted to show the Philistines who was God. 
It wasn't, you know, that was a piece of marble. Because I wrestled with, you know, when did that statue fall? First thing, you know, everybody left, boom. You know, as I said, you know, I think this, in my mind, I'm going to say this statue is probably 20, 30 feet tall, marble or, you know, fashioned. And I said, wow, you know, I, I, you know, first thing, they walked out, boom. What was that? I don't know. I'm going home. You know, it's late. I, I think God, you know, just said, well, I, they're getting ready to come in. <laughs> Fell on its face, prostrate before God. Not to, sh not to prove Dagon wrong, but to prove the Philistines they're wrong. Self-righteousness, ooh, <laughs> the God of our life, boom, in the quiet of the night when it submits to the word and the presence of God. There's a couple of other things where I was, I was thinking about darkness and, and the presence of God. I'm one of the drivers for the bus that uh, MMU for a light, we go out and get free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests. And we park in front of Planned Parenthood. And uh, the street advocates can go out, and they talk to the young women and come on and free tests and whatever. And last, the last time we were out to Schenectady, some of the advocates got to talk to some of the uh, young women that talked to that didn't give them tests and whatever. And they said they're keeping the baby. Darkness, death, light brought to that. I was in Hannaford yesterday, and there was a dude that came in. There were obscenities on his T-shirt, black. I mean, he just scruffy. I said, man, darkness. Can I smile at him and say, God bless you? Bring light? He's probably going to look at me and go, I, I won't probably say what he probably said. <laughs> but maybe in the still of the night, he's going to think about God. Maybe in the still of the night, the things that he's raised up in his life are now going to bow before Christ, before God. Going to change. I could have been saved 15 years earlier than I was. I'm going to tell you a story about myself. A group of us guys were at the Coral Lanes. Imbibing in friendship. Drinking a few beers. And we came out, we we're going to go to another place, and we looked across the street, and there was a tent revival meeting going on. So we went over. And they put us down in the front row, and we, you know, hey man, hey man. And the preacher got up there, and he started calling us of the sons of the devil. Well, you know, and really preaching against us, we finally got up and left. Ask myself, what would have happened? Here you have four or five 
people that are probably unsaved, in need of the presence of God. We're in darkness. Could he have preached the message of God loves you? You know, I mean, we would have probably laughed him off the stage and walked out anyway. But what about what happened when it got to the quiet of the night? The Word of God, you see, the Word of God is a seed, a pure seed. And what happens when the seed is planted and the Holy Spirit comes and the presence of God comes? It's going to grow. You plant a seed in the place where it is able, and it grows. It cannot help itself. The presence of God grows. I'd love to see the faces of the people that came in and saw this statue. Because I imagine they probably had this half fish, half man on, on a base. I mean, it was probably, you know, it probably stood there for years. Never had a problem. However, so they took Dagon and set him back up again in his place. <laughs> they tried to put him back. You ever notice? Satan or the world cannot stand you being a Christian. The world cannot tolerate you following God rather than following alcohol. They would rather know that you take drugs than that you go to church on Sunday morning. They would rather see you, well, be part of them rather than not part of them. They try to prop it up. I don't know. When I, years ago, God told me to not drink anymore. No more alcohol. Okay, God. I don't know how many times people try to get me to take a drink. Come on, this is just one. Don't let your wife tell you what to do. She didn't tell me. God did. Yeah, right. They don't hear from God, so you can't. They're lost. They have no idea of God. They have no idea of, of the, the glory of God, the presence of God, the things of God, and they're telling you what God knows and does and says. They're trying to tell you. I want to go a little bit deeper on this because you try to prop things up. Do you have your pet theology? I know what I believe. And I only read authors and study scriptures that prove what I believe. I'm not going to grow. I mean, I'm not going to change. <laughs> hmm. Pastor Tom and I were talking about this. Have I changed? 
what I believe. I, I always, I, you, um, from a movie, uh, you know, I'm only a pawn in the game of life. You know, so I'm, I'm only, you know, I'm. Uh, then God, one day, God said, "You know what, Stephen? What? If you play the game of chess, if a pawn gets to the end of the board, it can become any piece it wants to be, except the king." Maybe I am a pawn. I start out as a pawn. But God has a plan for my life. And the world tries to stop me. No, 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 no. Don't. They try to prop it back up. You know what? The, the saint, the sinner, may fall again. He may put the world back up in his life. However, 1 John 2, 1 through 2, we have all sinned, but we have an advocate. I may be a saint, but I may fall. But there's forgiveness in the name of Jesus. And, the, you know, this new believer who may have fallen because of the world, when he comes back again, because we're, the next section we're going to read, that statue is going to fall again. See, once this word, uh, you know, once it's planted, once it's grown, once the seed of, once the presence of God comes into your life, it wants to grow. It wants to expand. Remember, I saw a movie one time. They were supposed to blow up this dam in this war movie, and the boom, you know, the explosion goes off on the inside, and nothing happens. And the guy says, "What'd you do? We, we, we you know, we men have died. You know, we went all this way, explosion, and nothing happened." And the God said, "And the guy says, huh, just wait." Crack. Things start moving. You know, in uh, Luke, it says, Jesus grew in spirit and in stature before God and before man. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You know, was it Captain, Captain Marvel, Captain May, whatever, Shazam! All of a sudden, the guy goes from a weakling to... I go from hell-bound to heavenly seated. But that doesn't mean I am totally strong. I need to grow. I need to water it. I need to feed it. 1 Samuel 5, 4. But when they arose early the next morning, not 10 years later, 20 years later, the next morning, behold, Dagon, the statue of Dagon, had fallen on his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. And the head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were cut off on the threshold. Whew, he just did what doesn't fall prostrate before the ark. He now lost his head. 
And if you read Ephesians 4, 22 through 23, it says, lay aside all things and put on this mind, which is the mind of Christ. See, as, as we grow and we put on this mind, we lose the old world way of thinking and we put on a new way of thinking in Christ. There's a new way of growing. The hands are cut off. Man, there no longer can I grab onto the things of this old world because now I have a new way of living. I have a new life divine. I have life in the spirit. That's the song, isn't it? Oh, that's an old-time song. I'm an old-time preacher, sorry. <laughs> Hallelujah. The old things are gone. You know, the, the one, the, the sinner that is forgiven the most loves the most. I just think the prodigal son, when he returned to the father, he had some of the father's things before and now found out how bad it was out there and now returns and finds that there is peace in God. He finds that there is comfort in God. He finds that there is a provision in God. He knows what it was like to be without the Father, and now he's back and he's happier. I got good news. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I got bad news. What's the bad news? I'm reading about when they rose early the next morning, behold, the statue of Dagon has fallen on its face to the ground before the ark of the Lord, and the head of Dagon and both his hands, palms of his hands, were cut off on the threshold. Only the trunk of Dagon was left him, left to him. His fishy part. I believe. And this is the part I've had the most trouble dealing with, is I believe that inside of me, there's still an old man lurking that wants out. Romans 7, 14 through 20. Now, I want to talk about Paul the Apostle for a minute. He wrote probably, what, a third of the New Testament? All the letters? His other preachers said he has many things to say, some of them very deep. He was <clears throat> reading Corinthians. He was taken up to the third heaven heard things spoken to him that he could not speak to mortal men. He was probably left for dead a couple of times where he was stoned, and he got up again. Heard from God, saw God, saw Jesus directly. I believe Romans was written by him. Uh, Romans seven fourteen. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh, sold unto the bondage of sin. 
wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Paul says he's in bondage to sin. For that which I am doing, I do not understand, for I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is the writer of the gospel saying, I, 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 I want to do things I don't want to. There's something inside of him. Verse 16, but if I do the very thing I do not wish to do, I agree that the law confessing that is good. So now no longer am I the one doing it, but sin that dwells in me. Wait a minute. Are we talking about a saint with sin dwelling in him? I, I mean, this is what the word says. Eighteen, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For the wishing is present with me, but the doing of the good is not. He's saying in his flesh, he has a problem. Anybody that says they're not a sinner, they're a liar. That's what God says. It's not my words. You, you read John and through the epistles. There's something dwelling in me. There's, you know, even though I may have fallen before God and, and accepted his presence, there's something dwelling inside of me. For the good that I wish, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not wish. But if I am doing the very thing I do not wish, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin that dwells in me. Okay, that's the bad news, the good news. <laughs> 24. O wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I am delivered. In Jesus' name. He's going to take away the strength in the hands to do these things. He's going to take the thinking and change my mind. I may have to work on it. By the way, what I feed is what I get. You know, you watch these uh, marathon runners or power, you know, they eat special protein. They eat whatever so that they'll have long stamina. Do I eat the Word of God? Do I eat, do I practice the presence of God in the quietness of, the, of time? Well, you know, I'll, while I'm watching the news, I'll just scan through a couple chapters of Scripture. Right. Maybe that'll help you. Let me get alone for 15 minutes in quiet. Let me find a place where it's just me and the presence of God. Those 15 minutes will change you more than 10 hours of reading in a busy place. What I feed is, you know, oh, I'm just reading the articles in Playboy. They, they, they got good articles. Right. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
well, I'm just going to go to the bar and have a soda because, you know, I, I enjoy the company of the guys, the girls. Yeah. Oh, you know, just, just a little few drugs won't hurt. <laughs> Give me the presence of God if you want something good. Give me his spirit. I want something good. Hallelujah. I just want to add one more note. I'm now off my notes. I'm just, I'm going to try wrapping up. I really didn't have a good conclusion, but we're going to go for it. <laughs> There's a day coming when this body is going to die. And my spirit and soul are going to be going with God. That's a day when there's going to be no more tears, no more, no more sorrow. There's going to be a day when I'm sealed in the presence of God that I'll no longer have to worry about what I think, what I do. I'll be sealed in the very presence of God. There'll be fruit from the trees of life that I, I can eat once a month. There's a river flowing from the throw of God, crystal clearing water I, if I'm, I'm thirsty. Ooh. I was even half thinking, you know, I don't know if this is worldly, but take off my shoes and socks if I'm wearing shoes and socks or take off my sandals. Or if I'm barefoot, I want to walk on the streets of gold. Sealed in the presence of God. The new Jerusalem, the new earth. Forever and ever. Hallelujah. On the back of the card, this week I will. Can you see God working in very difficult times? If you were Israel, <laughs> here's the Ark of the Covenant in the temple of the god Dagon in the Philistines. You can probably think of no worse place, no worse time. But the very presence of God will work it out. As I started earlier, is there darkness of cancer, darkness of mind, darkness of a headache, darkness of of bodily aches, darkness of my, my family, my friends. They don't know salvation. If I've spoken the word, then let the presence and the word of God sit in silence and bring down the God of their life. It will. It will. Well, I hope so. No, it will. God doesn't need my help. God needs me to be obedient. God, this is how you should do it. Ain't going to work. I don't think the Israelites would have thought, you know, um, <laughs> seek God and his guidance when I have a situation in front of me. The Israelites could have probably avoided losing the Ark of the Covenant if they had gone before God and repented. 
then God probably would have sent the Philistines away and there wouldn't have even been a battle. Sought God. Hallelujah. Oh, and by the way, the ark did get returned to Israel. I want to, I want to read because I keep missing up the... Uh, I didn't write the scripture down, so I can't have you put it up. But if you want to see how bad the... Uh, As I'm going to read, <laughs> and this is what happened to those that want to mock God, put him down, serve a false god. Therefore, neither the priest of Dagon nor all who entered Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon and Ashdod to this day. Now the hand of the Lord was heavy on the Ishtadites, and he ravaged them and smote them. And my version says with tumors. You read, I think, uh, the uh, New King James or whatever it'll say, uh, emeralds. My modern word would be hemorrhoids. Ravaged. They couldn't even go, I, probably they couldn't even go sit down. <laughs> How you doing? Oh, you're from Philistine. <laughs> They probably became the laughing stock, you know, of the whole world, all those around. <laughs> oh, here comes a Philistine. I can tell you why he's walking. So they said, well, let's take it out of the temple and send it over here. They send it over there. They start having problems. Everybody was, you know, whew. And they said, well, can we send it here? No, we don't want it. I often wonder, and in in you read Revelation, people saying, you know, rather than turn to God, they said, we'll rather have rocks fall on us and bury us. I, I, if somebody hears today, say, oh, well, I want to fight God. I don't, you know, I'm going to, no. Jesus loves you. He died for you. He paid for your sins. Come to him. Confess him. Think about it in the quiet time. This day, you can go from a Philistine that's walking around hurting to a saint who's loved and at peace. It's your choice this day. I'm going to close with this thought. When it seems dark, when it seems noisy, everything's going wrong. Evil seems to be triumphing. In the quiet of the day, in the quiet of the night, that knee will bow. The light will win. And Lord, I pray, this day, put these words on our heart, our mind. The statue of Dagon will fall. The statue of the world will fall. Because there's only one God, and his name is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost.
Amen. Thank you, Pastor Steve. Sure appreciate that. We're going to get ready to take the offering this morning. There are multiple ways uh, for you to.